0: Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 111. It's now been one year, 11 weeks, and four days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I headed back up the mountain risking some very stormy weather just because I wanted the feeling of being out here high above my cares and woes. And after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share what I'm letting go of today. Then we welcome new BC Rosemary from New York, announce the availability of Fiona's Brave Companion song as a standalone, and also I announce a brand new feature where you can call in with your own tips and tricks about food, fun, or life. I start this feature with a tip I've learned recently from Michelle, a great blogger who writes as the quote, fat nutritionist, unquote. This tip helps me from getting so hungry at night. Then BC Dave goes on the bravery report twice, once for calling the bravery hotline and again for sharing his story on the who are the brave companions page. A comment conversation with Happy, Carol from Detroit, Donnie and me about the last show's list of four areas I've identified for priorities in dealing with perceived eating issues. Then we wrap up with audio comments from Donnie celebrating Maria from Spain's bravery last show and Nola makes my day by sending in her version of foolish fun. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know as soon as I know what I'm going to let go of today. And if it gets too thundery and stormy, I might have to stop recording and run down and record my show from my house for the very first time. If I do, we'll see just how echoey I managed to make it, or not echoey, as the case may be. Anyway, Josh, take it away.
1: But I'm letting go. go, I'm letting go. Oh, it's a silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting go.
0: Oh, it was a dark and stormy day in the Zen place. Actually, the next the top Zen place. But I'm very, very happy to listen to Josh up here, even in stormy weather. Maybe because of stormy weather, because I realize that what I need to let go of today is the whole notion that the path I should be on, right, the quote, I should be on, would be easy, right? I think I have an unspoken assumption in my head that when I try something or I want to do something, if it's meant to be The way will open like the Red Sea parts for Moses. I hope it was the Red Sea. I'm not sure I haven't read that story for a while. So anyway, I think that, you know, obstacles should just fall if it's really the path I'm meant to be on. Now, when I think of that rationally, there have been times in my life where things just seem to kind of fall into place, but even then it wasn't effort-free It was never effortless, anything that I got that I really enjoyed and that I really wanted. And sometimes, Brave Companions, I find myself really resenting the effort that something takes. It's like, why shouldn't it just be easy? Shouldn't it be easier than this? Oh, my God, this is so hard. I'm so tired of making an effort. And I realized this, particularly in a conversation or a common conversation that I had with Stephanie from Quebec a little bit about feeling up and down, and I realize that slog, S-L-O-G, is what I call it. The slog is everything, because I don't care how exciting and new something is, and I think a lot of us get attracted to shiny new things, new diets, new people, new jobs, new situations, new vacation place, new something, new toy, new clothes, something to buy, right? Something new is very shiny and attractive and has endless possibilities, But almost any new thing that we might have or deal with or experience becomes, in the end, part of our routine, something that we just do. That brand new car becomes the car that we just drive. You know, the brand new outfit gets worn a few times and maybe needs mending, you know, things become part of the routine, or what I call the slog, S-L-O-G, slog. The slog of cleaning my beautifully designer redesigned home. Darn that designer making things hard to clean, but she did make it beautiful and a style that I very much enjoy. So when my house is clean, when I've gone through the awful slog of cleaning it, I do enjoy the result very, very much. But this tells me, Brave Companions, I probably don't want a career as a house cleaner because I don't enjoy the actual process of getting my house clean. I enjoy the result. Okay, I don't enjoy the process. Now, I have some friends who actually do like cleaning. They like the result, but they enjoy the process, the whole shining of the furniture, you know, the cleaning of the floors, whatever. I can't imagine it because it's not my thing. But they actually find that soothing and and meditative and wonderful to actually do the slog. And that's Brave Companions is, I think, the key that I'm discovering to my own satisfaction in life. It's not does something come easy, it's how much do I enjoy that slog. And there's not that many things where I actually, quote, enjoy the slog. This show is one of them. Now I know it comes as a shock to you that Every week or so when I actually write this show, come up a mountain or go down to a podcast rock or go over to Descanso and record my little heart out and then go home and edit, edit, edit and make show notes, that isn't all rainbows and unicorns. No, it is not. A very great deal of doing 111 shows is SLOG. With a capital S-L-O-G. SLOG, SLOG, SLOG. That's why a lot of podcasters fade out after show seven. Because either they realize the topic that they want to talk about is not something they're passionate about. Something that they love to talk about. Because believe me, you got to love to talk about whatever you talk about on your show or it is a horrible slog. But even if you love to talk like I do... The actual production and making of a podcast is a lot, a lot of work. There's a whole process to it, which I'm not going to go through again, because I know I've told you before, there's a lot to it. This hour of show takes me 8 to 16 hours of actual slog in order for it to come from my mouth to your ears. It really does. That's a lot of time for me to do something (laughs) in my life that I'm not getting paid for. That's not getting my house cleaner and not, you know, really helping Mark out any as a family or helping my cats. But what does it do help? It helps me. It also helps you, I hope. It makes me feel like my life is meaningful. And, you know, every moment that I'm writing the show, I'm getting the chance to revisit all the wonderful comments that you guys have left on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. And it makes me think, it makes me wonder things. It makes me look at my own situation with fresh eyes. It's wonderful. And every time when I listen to Foolish Fun or when I listen to someone who's brave, like BC Dave was this last week, who calls the bravery hotline and tells me their story, I get to hear your voice. You know, so it takes me a couple minutes to think, what is the description I'm going to write so it will make sense in the finished show? But I get that experience of hearing your voice. It is wonderful to me. So even though the slog has some things that I don't love to do, you know, it's not as much fun to write show notes as it is to write a fiction story. But to write good show notes means that when you're listening to the show or when you're searching for it on Google, you can find it. So it's worth it to me. That slog reminds me what I did in the show. The slog reminds me how important you are to me. So this show is a good example where the slog is indeed worth it to me. Now, coming up the mountain right now is a mountain bike rider. Now, this is a pretty steep path that I hike up to come sit here and record for you. And let me tell you, going up the mountain for me on a bike is slog. To be in that low gear and to have to steady my breathing and to go one gear at a time, up, 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 is awful slog. But it is gives me a feeling of satisfaction. Now, Mark loves going up the hill on a mountain bike. Just loves it. To him, he loves that slog. I don't know why, but he does. I think it's like, you know, people like cleaning. I like the result. I don't really like the going up the hill on the mountain bike, but I do like the feeling of accomplishment that that gets me. So that tells me that maybe mountain biking isn't my preferred thing. I prefer street bike riding, and I don't mind going up the hills and going down the hills, and I kind of like that roller coaster feeling a little more than let me ride straight up a mountain and then go down. Because to tell you the truth, the part that's supposed to be quote-unquote dessert for mountain bike riders, the going downhill... Where you're letting gravity do the work, taking advantage of all that effort you put in as you coast on down, that scares the living bejesus out of me because you're a lot less stable going downhill on a mountain bike. So instead of having fun, I'm trying to fight it and kind of, you know, keep my balance going down the hill. Now, Mark, is a pro at keeping his balance so for him going downhill on the mountain bike is all let me look at the view let me enjoy the fruits of my efforts i'm proud of myself yahoo this is wonderful so this is an example where mountain bike riding is right in mark's sweet spot it's a place he enjoys the slog now, for me, voice acting is turning into a place where I actually enjoy the slog. Now, the result would be, hey, I'm so good at voice acting that I entertain you and everybody, and I audition, and I get paid money. I get paid money for pretending to be one of these characters or doing a commercial for Vaughn's or someplace, you know, telling you to get coupons five cents off or something, and I get paid money for that. That would be the end result. Right? To be that good that I actually could be part of the voice acting community as a paid voice actor. Wow, that would be great. But in order to get that level of skill, I'm having to do an awful lot of slog. It isn't just my lessons and my coaching sessions, but every single day I have to do tongue twisters and cold readings and exercises to increase my breathing from my diaphragm because a lot of my trouble is I tend to be a shallow breather. So I will kind of suck in here like this <gasps> you know, from the top of my lungs, which isn't natural and isn't good for breath support. Now you singers and musicians out there know that really where you need to breathe is from your diaphragm which is below your lungs and when you let the diaphragm out your lungs naturally fill with air and then you hold it so that you can better support your breath see i'll show you like here's how i normally breathe with a tone so hold your ears right okay <laughs> that's my normal breath now that sounds kind of constricted now i'm going to do a za where i go from my diaphragm this is what i'm learning with david right let my diaphragm out hold it Now, I didn't try to project too much, but I think you can hear a little bit of the difference. With my diaphragm support, I have much more control over how the air is coming out. And some characters, you kind of want a pinch constricted sound, but you don't really want to constrict your lungs and your position because that sounds bad on the mic. So for me to sound natural and good and to make a sound that isn't painful for you to hear... (laughs) It takes a lot of physical muscle practice for me, a lot of control, a lot of posture, a lot of learning how to shape my mouth. Same as singing. Like, I don't know if you non-singers know, but when you're singing, you have what they call the horizontal shapes for your mouth. You know, kind of like the E where you're smiling and the, the vertical shapes like O, O. And some of these shapes are easier in different parts of your voice. So even if that natural vowel sound should be naturally O, you might try to shape a little more like an E when you're singing. And thinking all these things is really hard <laughs> until you get enough experience and practice that you just kind of do it. Sort of like riding that bike. After a while, you get used to knowing what gear you should be in and how fast you should be going so that your energy will last and get you up there. Same with voice acting. Well, I've done my fair share of bitching and moaning and being sorry that I didn't go to voice acting lessons and get the, Oh, Lori, your voice is a natural. You are so good. Let's sign the contract right now. A star is born. No, I didn't get that. I got you have a pleasant voice that could be commercially viable, but you have a lot of problems with your acting and your breathing and all kinds of things. Oh, no. You mean uh, this isn't for me? This isn't meant to be? Well, I didn't give up. For that, I am very proud of myself, really. I am proud of myself. I didn't give up and I continue to study and I continue to study to this day and I work on the mic as much as I can, not only with this show, but through voice acting workouts or doing whatever I can. And as I'm starting to put more and more of these skills together, I realize I actually enjoy the process. I actually enjoy the slog of voice acting. So I know that voice acting is something for me right now. So Lori, you say that's very interesting, but this isn't called voice acting diary. This is compulsive overeating diary. So what the heck does this slog idea have to do with your eating issues and how are you applying that to your life in that way? Well, remember Mark and going up the hill on his bike and how he enjoys that process and how I hate it. I hate going up the hill, but I like Getting to the top of the hill. I don't like how I get there, but I like getting there. And I think that has been my approach in the past to dieting. I didn't really enjoy at all any of the processes of dieting. I didn't like counting the calories. I didn't like having the points. I didn't like, you know, restricting if I eat grains or dairy or fat or what other food group of the month that I was letting go of or saying I can't eat watermelon or I can't eat watermelon or strawberries are low sugar but bananas are too high sugar or I should eat bananas or I shouldn't. I didn't like having to think about those things. I didn't enjoy having to say I can't have a margarita when my friends do. I didn't like having, you know, all of these restrictive thoughts. I didn't like a lot of the exercise I was doing. Now some I ended up liking, like I did start to hike and start to bike on my second time with Weight Watchers as a way to get more exercise in. So I'll have to give it props for that. It exposed me to a lot of exercises because I had to do a whopping amount of exercise in order to burn enough calories to overcome my binging and to get that last weight off because that weight was really, really low for me personally high for some, but was low for me, my goal weight. So now I'm losing my strength, my train of thought. Let me think again. Okay, the slog of it. Dieting is not something I enjoyed. Whatever you call it, food plan, fitness plan, body for life, I did not enjoy. I enjoyed the camaraderie of becoming stronger, I enjoyed when the actual fitness bugs started to respect me because when I first went into that part of the gym as kind of a chubby older lady doing workouts, they kind of didn't talk to me, right? They're in their own thing. They have their own peer group. But as I started to demonstrate my commitment and get stronger and start lifting some decent weight, those people started to come spot me and talk to me and show me respect. I enjoyed that part of it. But to be honest, I didn't love my time in the gym. I loved that I was getting stronger. I loved that I could perceive that my body composition was changing. And I loved that these fitness people were showing me respect. That was really cool. It's like having a community. I liked that, but I didn't really enjoy the actual lifting required, nor did I enjoy at all the food I had to eat to be a decent weightlifter. For me, that was not part of any slog I liked. I liked the result. And as we've talked about before, even me doing the best as I could with that slog I didn't get the result that I was hoping for. I got pretty good results, but I didn't get the result I was hoping for. So I kind of spent a large part of my life in those days doing what I don't like to do, and I didn't get what I wanted in the end either. Double bummer. But I did learn a lot of stuff, right? So let's track back to this last year where I've been doing intuitive eating. Intuitive eating, I'm kind of enjoying all of the slog. And I don't know that I'm enjoying the result as much as I used to enjoy result from dieting. I liked it when I got thinner. I won't lie to you. I liked it when I could wear smaller clothes and go to stores and fit in chairs. And intuitive eating, my result has pretty much been to put on a little bit of weight or to remain the same. I've kind of been going up and down the same 10 pounds, I'm guessing, from how loose my size 18W or my 20W pants fit me. I think it's just about 10 pounds I'm going up and down and kind of hanging around that particular weight. I'm not necessarily physically making a big change in my body. So my result, quote-unquote physically, is not anything to write home about. I didn't get to the top of Skinny Mountain, that is for sure. But the actual slog, the realizing that food is food and people are people, understanding when I'm hungry and learning about my triggers... Learning to deal with life, learning to get more bravery in things, trying things like voice acting, trying things like writing, trying things like singing, you know, being willing to say za here <laughs> around the whole world. That's new for me. That made my life better. It makes my life better every single day. Now, being thin in some ways made my life convenient. You know, it is easier to hike up the hill with 50 pounds less than it is today. It is easier to sit in the chairs than it is today. You know, It's easier. I did get a lot colder, though. I noticed that when I was thin, I got really, really cold, and I was shocked because I've always run warm my entire life, probably because I've been somewhat padded for the majority of my life, but man, I was freezing when I was really thin, and I didn't like that. But for the most part, the result of being thin was kind of cool, but emotionally, the result wasn't cool. I didn't feel any different inside. I didn't know how to deal with my life any better than before. And in some ways, the attention made me very uncomfortable. And we've talked about it before, made me a little bit angry too. Like, well, how come you like me so much now that my body's thin and you didn't like me as well when I was heavier? And I have to say today, people who meet me now, they're meeting me as I am, all 200 plus pounds of me, and they like me or they don't. And I don't really think that that's going to change. I don't believe that Brave Companion Sandy, who you heard a few shows ago, is going to say to me, "Wow, Lori, I like you so much better now that you lost 30 pounds. Or I don't think she's going to say to me, oh, Lori, you put on 20 pounds. There's no way I can be your friend anymore. I don't believe it. I don't think that she's going to treat me any differently, (laughs) whatever my size turns out to be. And if she did, and I don't think she would, if she did, I'd know she's not the type of person I want in my life anyway. And that's part of age. That's just part of me getting older. So, how do I know where I want to spend my time? How do I know what I want to build my life of? And I realize it isn't all result. Results are great, results are wonderful. Shoot for the moon, hit the stars, all that. But to really enjoy your life, you have to enjoy the slog. So, Brave Companions, I hope you enjoyed this stormy mountain talk about slog. So go out there and let me know, what slog do you enjoy? Hooray! I got through the letting go segment on this stormy day on the mountain, and it's time for new B.C.'s announcements and other goodies. First off... New B.C. Rosemary from New York wrote me via the contact form. Oh my gosh, I just discovered you on iHeartRadio. I am five foot three and weigh 124 pounds. I am not overweight. I truly believe I have binge eating disorder. I am beginning to share this fact with people. I think your podcast is divine intervention. When I asked Rosemary for permission to greet her and share some of her comments, she replied, You absolutely do have my permission to use my name, Lori. Thank you so much for this reply. She continued by writing, I have known I have an issue for many, many years. Then recently, I randomly found a book or two in the self-help section of the public library that addressed binge eating disorder. Then I began to see a radio commercial and hear radio spots actually addressing binge eating disorder. Perhaps you have heard them. Famous people are starting to come out. I have some thoughts that perhaps many, many, many more people suffer with their food relationships. And I have thoughts about this problem has met it's time to come out for all of us. With health care changes the way they are, perhaps it's time we addressed exactly what we are stuffing into our veins. And I think... Interesting thoughts, Rosemary. I, too, see that more of us are speaking up and stepping out of the shadows. We have different sizes, shapes, ages, gender, ways we interact with food and eating. But we also have a strong bond of truth, bravery, and learning to be proud of who we are. We don't need to change our bodies to fit into society and actually love ourselves. We can love ourselves right now. Then, if we wish to work on our bodies, that is a choice and not a mandate because we are flawed welcome and thanks so much for writing. It just goes to prove what I've said before. You can't assume how people deal with their eating by what they look like. You just don't know. As a PSBCs, remember how excited I was for a compulsive Overeating diary to be accepted by iHeartRadio? I still am, but I think that Rosemary from New York may be the first B.C. who told me that that was how she found us. So if you are listening like Rosemary on iHeartRadio, drop me a line, because I'd love to hear from you, too. So, B.C.s, drop by day 111 to say howdy and welcome our newest brave companion, Rosemary from New York. We also have a couple of thank yous. Thanks to those of you who have given Compulsive Overeating Diary a couple of five-star ratings in the last week or two on iTunes. I can't see your names when you just do ratings, but I really, really appreciate it. Also, some U.S. Amazon shoppers have been going not so busy this week. And thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to go through the Amazon link from compulsiveoverreadingdiary.com. Those pennies I receive from U.S., Canadian, and U.K. shoppers who go through the show Amazon link really add up and help me keep the show on the air. Announcements. First of all, I'm done with jury duty and you can read more about that via a blog post i wrote called don't take freedom for granted where i ponder on the cost of freedom and how it surprisingly plays out in my own eating behavior so i'm back on track with my regular such as it is schedule Next, those of you who are subscribed in any way to the podcast know I released a bonus item recently in my show feed. I placed a standalone copy of the Brave Companion song by Fiona Lane, the version we featured on Show 100 on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. You can find the link to that from today's show notes, and you can download that file from that page as well. Listening to our bravery anthem featuring you, the BCs from around the world, is a great way to encourage yourself on days where you feel alone. Thanks again to our budding, talented songwriter, or should I say blooming songwriter and singer Fiona, for creating such a special song. Speaking of special, I've been a special. Especially thinking lately about how many comments I get from my early episodes when I was giving out tips and tricks about eating and other things. Early on, when I was a little less zen, I was prone to that. But you know, tips and tricks are really cool things to share. So I talked Mark into helping me make a brand new segment for just that purpose. Now you can send me audio with your eating stories and challenges or something silly for foolish fun or where you're from and why you're brave to participate in the next version of the Brave Companion song or just to say hello. But with this segment, I envision the tips and tricks to be where you or I will share things that have worked for you, be it food-wise, life-wise, or just something cool-wise that you've discovered. I'm gonna start this segment myself by sharing with you a tip I just learned that is helping me be less hungry during the day. Okay, Mark, honey, take it away.
1: It's time for Tricks and Tips, where brave companions share those little ideas that make their lives better.
0: My tip originally came from a blog I like to read called The Fat Nutritionist. It is written by Michelle, a fat lady with a nutrition degree, as she says. She is all about what she calls normal eating, which is a lot like what I've been calling, for lack of anything different, intuitive eating. But something she wrote I hadn't heard of before, or if I had, I hadn't paid attention. And so I decided to give it a try. Michelle says in a post about her own eating discoveries, At first, I just made a deal with myself that I would eat food before drinking coffee in the morning because I noticed that if I drank coffee first, it killed my appetite, but that lack of breakfast left me lethargic and tired for the rest of the day. That was my first step, food before coffee and preferably soon after getting up. Hmm, I, Lori, realized that I am a rampant coffee drinker, decaf or not, in the a.m., and that unless I know I'm going biking or hiking, I am very, very, very prone to just have coffee for hours and hours before I notice I'm hungry for breakfast or lunch. Might this be one of the reasons I have a blowout sometimes in the evenings and feel compelled to eat more than I usually would? I decided to give myself a week to find out. I made myself eat something before coffee. In fact, And here is a tip within my tip. The first thing I do when I get up is to drink a full glass of water. It makes a huge difference to my vocal quality when I hydrate myself this way and coffee, much as I love that stuff, dehydrates you. I also drink a full glass of water after I'm done with morning coffee too. Now back to my original tip. I made myself eat something for breakfast, usually a piece of toast with a smear of nut butter. Then I had coffee with my almond milk as usual. And guess what? I ate less. I ate less even though I wasn't reducing by counting calories. I actually did get much less hungry at lunch and had a smaller lunch and late in the evening when I made this change. I didn't go for the snacks. So my tip is if you, like me, grab for the java instead of the food first thing in the AM, try for one week eating first, coffee later, and see how that impacts your food day.
1: If you have a trick or tip about food, fun, or life in general, call the Bravery Hotline. You speak pipe? Or send your audio to Lori at CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com.
0: Thanks, honey, for another fun announcer gig. And BCs, follow Mark's advice and send your tips or tricks in for the show. He hates it when his announcer man offerings lay dusty in the closet due to lack of participation. And as a reminder, tips and tricks can be about anything. Getting a stain out of your clothes, better way to store food, how to exercise, anything that makes your life better and might make our lives better too. Now, Brave Companion Dave goes on the Bravery Report twice. First, for calling the Bravery Hotline to tell us how he's doing and to share his
1: truth. Hi, Lori, this is Brave Companion Dave. Uh, my wife and I had a great weekend, but uh, I thought it was time to share from my heart. Um, the last, uh, since April 1st, I've been working with a therapist. To deal with all my issues that I bury by overeating. And during this process, it's been really, really stressful. And I've been overeating constantly and just battling the battle. I listen to your podcast a lot, which makes me at least think about what I'm eating. But beyond that, I know I'm waiting, eating way too much. And now it's gotten to the point where... I just feel permanently sick, and my body just hurts from the knees, the waist. Trying to do any exercises is rough, so this morning I'm going out for a quick 10-minute walk, and uh, you're going to hear a bunch of trucks in the background because I worked in an industrial area, but uh, you can feel free to share this with your other companions. We just want you to know that I appreciate everybody who calls in, messages in, uh, goes to your website and comment. Um, they're all of them, all of the brave opinions that are giving me the courage to keep trying and just not give up. I'm hoping here in the next couple of months that my counselors and I will be able to, sorry, to deal with all my issues. And, oh, great. Here comes a more. Anyway, um, and I can get some of this under control, but I just want to let you know that I'm still listening and still loving your podcast. And take it easy, and we'll uh, talk soon. Feel free to share this if you want.
0: Thanks, Dave. I love that you called while you were walking, and I thank you for mentioning just how much the comments and other calls from Brave Companions mean to you. I hear that a lot. So, B.C.'s, will you be brave like Dave and call in or write to share your story and encourage someone else as well as build up your own bravery? So, if so, check out the How to Send audio page on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com or post your story on the Who are the Brave Companions page. Which brings us to the second reason Dave is on the Bravery Report today. Dave took the total leap into the bravery pond by posting his story on the Who are the Brave Companions page. Dave writes... I am Dave. I live just south of Seattle, Washington. I have been overweight 385 plus pounds due to overeating. I love the outdoors, but it hurts my legs to spend time there. I do garden and bowl, but hurt for days afterwards. I recently hit what I feel like is the bottom. I went on a binge so huge and so salty that I almost went to the hospital. My weight and compulsive overeating have caused me to have some very dark thoughts. I decided to see a therapist because I know my compulsive overeating is just a symptom of my deeper issues. I am also an alcoholic, which I replaced with overeating about 21 years ago. I am on a journey to regain my mental health, my emotional health, and my physical health. I look forward to helping all of you as you help me. I love my wife, and she is also on this journey for herself. We have been married 19 years, 20 in September. I am not my struggles. I am a great husband, a great brother, a great uncle, a good son. I am a child of God. I am lovable and worthy of love. I hold the priesthood of God. I love to garden. I love to cook and am too good at it. I am creative. I love to serve others. I enjoy fishing and really, really love the beach. We love movies and reading fiction. Someday I will love me. And this is what I think. What I especially like about Dave's story is how he identifies so many parts of himself that are not relating to his eating challenges. So even though he tells the truth about those challenges, it is such an awesome step. We are more than our struggles. We are so many things besides fat or our fear of fat or the things we cover up with fat or food. We are unique and awesome and wonderful, and it is great to share that as part of our stories. So BCs, I hope you'll stop by and congratulate Dave for being so brave and also share what makes your story unique and special on who are the Brave Companions. Well, I'm still up here on this stormy mountain, hoping that I'm going to get through the entire show before the thunder hits. So, since it's getting lively with the weather, it's a great time to share some lively BC feedback about my segment last show about the list of four different reasons we might be on this journey of dealing with food and weight issues. First up, Happy, who inspired my thoughts about the topic? Hi, Lori. Thanks for yet another interesting episode. I liked your list at the end of the show, the list of four different reasons we might be on this journey of dealing with food and weight issues. Like you, I have a little bit of each piece of the pie. Right now, however, I am mainly working with the techniques from Catherine's book. My number one priority is to become slash stay binge free. I believe that would render me a sense of pride, dignity, self-worth, and peace of mind. And those things go a long way, at least for me. Now, Do I think being binge-free will automatically solve my problems with perfectionism, people-pleasing, and low self-esteem? No, but truth be told, those are things I might have to work on throughout my entire life, and I don't want to have to wait that long to quit binging. So, one step at a time. That's how I have decided to play this one out. Different ideas work for different people. As the show continues, I am curious to learn more about the different paths of you and the other brave companions. No matter what, I wish all of you the best in your individual pursuits. Then Carol from Detroit posted, I agree with Happy. The list at the end of the show was very helpful. I think my little mix is mostly the ED right now. One, health, 20%. Changing shape or body size, 20%. Developing good coping life skills, 20%. Removing the disrupting eating disorder parts, binge behavior, obsessive thoughts, etc., 40%. This was a very thought-provoking topic you brought to the table. The obsessive thoughts are really, really bothersome to me. Lori, I did start a personal blog for myself online. I'm not quite ready to share that yet. But one of my aha moments was when I wrote the following. Quote, food is my drug of choice and every day it is a challenge for me. There isn't a single day where I'm not thinking about food, making food, eating food, playing with food, using food for comfort, watching food on TV, looking up new recipes, Pinteresting about food, planning my food, counting my food. It is literally on my mind all the time. It haunts me. Yep, that sums it up. I'm completely obsessed. Maybe my number four should be more like 50% or something. But regardless, Lori, great show. I replied to Carol. Hi, Carol. This is what struck me from what you've written. Yep, that sums it up, I'm completely obsessed. Maybe my number four should be more like 50% or something. My little list, and most likely it isn't a complete list, is a moving target as we change, as time and chance moves on. One thing I was trying to get across is that the priorities of our quote problem issues can and do change. I think that is one reason why approaches can stop feeling like a good fit, even if they worked at one time. For example, the first time I did Weight Watchers, I got to goal in about a year. I felt my entire problem, 100%, was body size slash shape. So I did what it took, restrictive diet and exercise, to get thin. Being under 30, the weight came off pretty well. I think it was about 54 to 55 pounds at that time. But... That entire year, I avoided any and all social occasions. I damaged my main relationship with my food compulsion, ranting and tossing out food that didn't fit my plan and acting pretty much like a self-involved bitch. I then went nutsa with fashion and spending once I fit into size six. Then since my goal was to hit a number on the scale and get thin and not to change my life at all, the weight came back on within two years. And then a few years after that, flew up to the 300-pound range that was my highest, size That's why I think now about my priorities when I want to immediately change my shape, which I do, especially when I'm stressed. But mostly for me right now, I have zero interest in quick fixes. I do not want to ride that roller coaster any longer, not even one more time, even if the price is to stay at this larger size. I truly do value the people in my life more than food and more than what I weigh. I also value my ability to focus on things other than food and weight. Huge change for me. It's also part of my age. Cheryl said it, I think, that we learn to accept better at our age as we enter or get close to our senior years. Time is the coin of life, and we can never get it back. So I ponder now on just how I want to spend that time. And for me, it's not on making menus and counting points or calories or forgoing forever foods I love and enjoy and hence obsessing about them and resenting the people who do get to eat them. Nor exercising when I don't feel well, nor giving up plans with friends so I can run or lift or get my planned workouts in. If I were a fitness competitor, those things would align with my goals. But since I am a semi-retired 50-something lady who wants other things, my, repor- my particular approach reflects that. Everybody is different. And I think we benefit when we check in with ourselves about what we want and then find ways to fit it in with those dreams. XO, XO, XO. And Donnie wrote, Wowzer, Lori, I so could have. Okay, I have written the same story. You brought the tears out of me with this one. Crazy. Then I replied to Donnie. Hugs, Donnie. I know we have some similarities, but you have an important difference from this one, I think. This story was my first round with Weight Watchers and I gained it all back and more because I hadn't a clue about my emotional eating triggers and causes. I also thought being thin would fix all that was not working in my life and it didn't. Your story is playing out with awareness right now. You're taking care of you and building a life as you go. But I am glad that you understand me and I can view that experience I had as a learning tool versus a complete and utter waste of my time so much regret some days for my young foolishness anguish and dashed hopes i'll never be a ballerina on point now but i can be a voice actor and if we hadn't shared these challenges i wouldn't have met you dear donnie so i have to be happy that my life took the turns it did xoxoxo do you have thoughts on the four areas i've identified for my own priorities and dealing with perceived eating issues to review the four are one your health Two, changing shape or body size. Three, developing good life coping skills. Four, removing the disrupting eating disorder parts like binge behavior, obsessive thoughts, etc. You know, most people are not 100% one of those. Most people have various degrees of which of these are the priority for them. And if you take a moment to actually think that through, it might help you find the diet slog that best fits your goals. So I'd love it if you would join our comment conversation on day 110 and or send your audio thoughts in to be featured on a future episode because I think this is a conversation that's worth us continuing to have. Hooray! It looks like I made it all the way to the show wrap-up. So to wrap up our stormy show, I have a couple of great audio clips. The first comes from our last show, where I congratulated Maria, who used to go by Maria from a Spanish-speaking country, for taking a very brave step of letting us know that she is, in fact, Maria from Spain. Dear Maria, I'm not the only one who thought that was brave. For you, here is a very special message from
1: Donnie. Congratulations for joining the Bravery Club, Maria. Spain. What a beautiful, lovely place. And wonderful to you that you could join us in our camaraderie of brave companions. I look forward to getting to know you more and sharing this journey with you.
0: Thanks, Donnie, for sending that. And Maria, here's another bravery smooch just for you. And now, my favorite feature gets a new twist. That's right, it's time for foolish fun from NOLA. <laughs>
1: Lori presents... (laughs) Foolish Fun! (laughs) The feature where messing Up is is just part of the act.
0: (laughs) Hi Lori, I remember watching the gong show when I was young. I remember the unknown comic. I'm sure glad I don't have to put a bag over my head to do this. Anyway... I was sitting and watching my dog the other day chase her tail for ten minutes, and I thought, gee, she's easily amused. Then I realized, I just watched my dog chase her
1: tail for ten minutes. Bye. And if you love to be foolish, too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your we are.
0: I enjoyed hearing about you watching your dog chasing her tail for 10 minutes. But really, BCs, even a silly moment like that can pass on the cheerful smiles when you share it. So don't be shy. Go ahead and send your own version of Foolish Fun in for a future show. And as Nola mentioned, no paper bags are required. So today we've analyzed our behavior, we celebrated our bravery, we've marveled at our creativity. In short, we've shared a full and interesting bit of life together. If I had one point to sum up today's show, it's this. We are more than our eating issues. I'm going to say it again. We are more than our eating issues. Celebrate your qualities today, BCs. And until next time, you take care because even on a stormy, thundery mountain, I really, 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 really care.
1: I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside, thicket on the edge of Puget Sound.